I think that patience and that overall commitment all the way through the organization at all parts of it uh, to innovation, I think are two, two things I would, I would highly suggest. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. That's Brett Snyder. At our workshop hosted by Gore in Newark, Brett sat down with us to discuss nurturing a culture of innovation. Based on his work at Gore, Brett shares stories and lessons learned on the most effective methods, such as the dedicated dabble time emergent leadership approach and enabling agile play. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for coming. Um, if you could just first explain, introduce yourself and explain a little bit about uh, what you do at uh, Gore. Well, I'm Brett Snyder. I'm a um, board chair for Gore, so I have responsibility for helping to lead our board and I'm also part of the Gore family. That's great. Now, Gore is at famous worldwide for its culture of innovation. What are some of the key ideas and some of the values that you promote to really to help this culture to uh, grow? I think one of the key ones is that um, everybody can talk to anybody else. So we have a lattice structure mm -hmm. instead of having defined channels of communication where you can only talk up and then over. We have it so anybody can contact anybody for really any reason. And that keeps the information flow very good within the enterprise, which is key for innovation because so much of that is getting different pieces together. Um, so that's one thing. I think a second thing is our culture is based with on four principles of which freedom is the first one, which uh, is the freedom to grow and develop. And so there's not a sense that you have to really stay strictly in a box in everything you do. So you're encouraged to learn, you're encouraged to help others to learn through our freedom principle. So I think those two things help us have a, an innovative culture. That's great. Now, in Gore, they, there's no real uh, strict uh, formal managers. How, are, how do the team select their managers and what sort of qualities are they looking for in this type of organization? Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, we, we even avoid the term manager. It's really, we think of them as, as leaders, but it's more of an active verb in the sense that they're taking an, a team or themselves someplace. And um, so team followership is, you know, the complement to leadership is followership. And that is to say others feel that the leader, they can put their trust in the leader. They feel that the leader has an, an understanding and a knowledge of what is good for the team mm -hmm. and, and where to go. And so um, there's a lot of team followership needed to be a leader. But also um, one leader may ask another person to help lead in an area, and that's followership from above. So you can essentially have um, folks who they feel trusted to, to take, take a responsibility for something. So it's true that we do not have a formal structure with defined uh, ranks and titles. That's great. That's a great, um, great synopsis of it that you can be a leader both by following but also leading by example. Um, that's great. Now, one of the things I, at Gore, um, there's this concept of dabble time. I was wondering if you could touch on that just briefly. Sure. I mean, ideally, everybody uh, has whatever 20% or so is a guideline for working on things that they feel are important and could be a contribution to the enterprise but maybe aren't a major project or the, the core commitment that they're working on. So to varying degrees, um, people take advantage of that and work on things, and, and that has led to some, some interesting things. Um, many of our um, innovations have come from, well, they were at least intended for one area and they ended up being useful in another area. So that's one of the, one of the, one of the things about it. It's not a formally instituted program that like we time track to it or anything like that. It's just more of an understood behavior and practice. Can you give any example, I don't know if you can, but any example of something that's come out of this concept of dabble time? Well, I can say um, we have uh, created a number of really interesting new materials 
um, one of which is becoming a drainage layer and a filter. And so that came out of uh, some dabble time that I was aware of. In fact, the person was working on something and I was kind of thinking, what the heck are they going to do with this? <laughs> but uh, having a good network within the company and through the lattice, they knew of some issues that uh, some people were having in an area and handed over samples. And so those samples ended up leading one thing to another into developing a, a drainage layer. So that would be one example. That, that's amazing. Now for teams that are tasked with and individuals that are tasked with innovation, being innovative, creating new ideas, how do you, how do you evaluate those teams? How do you objectively evaluate either the success or the failure of these teams? And as a result, how do you incentivize the innovation? Yeah. Well, the way we do uh, contribution and compensation is we try to get a broad range of input around people. So everybody has input on a, on a broad range of others, and each person gets input from many others. And, and they get, um, we, we ask, who, who do you think's got, had more of a contribution? And they look at past as well as recent, as well as expected future contribution. And then over time, that tends to, to line out. So, so there's a lot of peer input. Uh, there's input from leaders with some broader span or a broader scope of responsibilities. Um, there's input from folks who are, you know, working with them and being led by them. So you get a, a full view of folks. And so with the innovators and others, I think what we've been doing is keeping them a little bit more, though, on their own lists. Because sometimes comparing somebody who's very good at prototyping and developing new with somebody who's responsible and doing a good job keeping a manufacturing line going, it helps to keep them a bit separate and compare instead the more innovative type folks with each other and, and use that to, to do that. So then over time, as people get recognized with wins, they tend to move up the list. They tend to get higher in, in uh, compensation as well. So that's, that's how we reward and sort of sort that out. Like everybody, I think all compensation systems, everybody is always looking is never completely satisfied with it. Um, so we're always continuing to, to evaluate um, that and I'm sure there'll be tweaks in the future. That's great. And going along with the same concept, can you just briefly walk us through um, from the time that uh, ideas proposed through to creating the experiments um, to finally evaluating the results to see if this is a viable marketable product or if this is maybe just not quite ready yet? Well. We have a whole lot of diverse businesses, so I would say it varies a lot. I'm thinking of one major project right now that's in the medical device space, so it's a high-risk, high-performance uh, implantable. And, I mean, this was a, it was a passion that started with some people who believed it could help people back in the 80s. It ended up not working out for technical challenges. It got resurrected. It's been redone with new materials, and we've had... Uh, success, but I mean, it has been a 10-year, even recently, we've, we're 10 years in oh, wow. to our first inhuman implant, but um, a lot of work through bench trap and animal work there. So that's one. Now I can think of something that I worked on that was significantly faster than that, but there's a lot of loopbacks and a lot of redos and retreads as we try things and they work or they don't work. Um, the market input is important to get early, so we're putting more emphasis on being sure that we understand what the problem is trying to solve and somebody actually really thinks that is a problem because as an engineering strong company, we can be a little, we have to guard against being too focused on um, engineering a solution before we've really understood the problem. So 
there's no clean and simple answer to that, I would say. But I would say we are using the discipline of three-person teams. Generally, a business-focused person, a technical-focused person, and an experienced mentor. And going into these lean uh, launchpad-type teams or lean startup-type teams. So they go out for intensive. We do them in cohorts, so we get peer support, and they take the the, um, the materials, and they spend uh, eight weeks uh, doing a heavy external vetting of ideas. And we found that to be a really useful way to, to, to learn a lot quickly, which is what it's all about early on. That's great, and thank you for going in such detail with that. Now, we do have time for um, just one last question. Over the past 60 years, Gore has maintained uh, both being an innovator and also continuing to grow, promote new products, and really grow into different areas. What are some of the lessons that Gore has learned, either through success or failure, that has allowed it to keep this culture of innovation, to really stay on the forefront? Well, I think reminding our, us about our roots and keeping those fresh. I think having an ownership, stewardship culture around preserving that heritage of innovation and having people who sit on the board who have backgrounds in research and development is really helpful. Understand the uncertainties, the long timelines, but yet the importance of it. I think another one is having confidence. I think if somebody can do any problem that's out there and somebody's doing it is doable by people. So, you know, why put up a lot of barriers? And, you know, we got into medical devices, we've gotten into automotive, aerospace. I mean, these are areas that aren't easy to walk into. But uh, you start small and you, over time you can, you can develop a real competency in there. So I think I would recommend that businesses don't put too narrow a definition of who they are and what they are uh, on right away. Although it also I think you have to be patient. Um, there's competencies that take time to develop. So I think that patience and that overall commitment all the way through the organization at all parts of it uh, to innovation I think are two, two things I would, I would highly suggest. That's great. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me to share your insights about Gore and also its uh, culture of innovation. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. You can find our show in most podcast apps. Subscribe for free to get the latest episodes. The video and the transcript of this podcast and all of our other exclusive interviews can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with thousands of other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation, HR, and marketing practitioners in large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your 15-day free trial account.